The Forum Club is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. So let's say you live in Oklahoma City, San Antonio, Memphis, or New Orleans, you lucky dog, and you want to see the Lakers this week. Well, Go over to Game Time, and it's going to be easier than you can imagine. A simple two-step checkout process that is going to get you there to see LeBron, AD, Kuzma, our friend Alex Caruso. And listen, it's not just for sports, Brett. I know you are really into REO Speedwagon and other bands of your 80s. When I worked in Champaign, Illinois, my first real job out of college, our newspaper office was on REO Speedwagon Way. It was like it was actually on Main Street, but that stretch had been honorarily named REO Speedwagon Way because they are from Champaign. <laughs> if they're on tour, you can find that on Game Time. The Game Time app is so simple, so quick, and so easy to navigate, even my mom can do it. Download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store and score last minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. <laughs> Welcome to Basketball Reasons, the Lakers podcast from The Athletic, hosted by me, Bill Oram, and the Encyclopedia Britannica, Brett Tanica, of all things NBA, Brett Dawson. It's been another busy week with the Lakers. They keep winning. We actually had a, an opportunity this week to sit down and speak with Alex Caruso, the Lakers guard, fan favorite, cult favorite, who just got a mural in Los Angeles this week. Um, we have that interview coming up for our listeners here in just a few minutes. But I want to start with kind of the news of the day. A great Laker, Pau Gasol, um, maybe uh, hanging up his very large sneakers, uh, posting on Instagram that he's no longer a member of the Portland Trailblazers. He's going to focus on his on his rehabilitation and energy. But, Brett, you and I have been around the NBA for a, a long enough time to probably be able to read between the lines there. Uh, Pau Gasol is 39 years old. He's been in the league for a very long time. There is a decent chance that this is the end of the road for a – a first ballot Hall of Famer. What are your just initial thoughts on 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 Powell and 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 this situation? A hundred percent, a first ballot Hall of Famer, an NBA champion, and a great international player, and a guy who, for whatever else he did, is you know you're going to identify him always with the Lakers and and winning with Kobe Bryant. He is an all time great. Not not just a an all like he, he's a he's going to be a go down as a, a great Laker in Laker history, but also just a a great player given his international experience. A memorable guy. Uh, uh, certainly one of the guys who's I think thought of as one of the really uh, real classy guys in the NBA. If he doesn't make it back, it's sad. It's it's a, it's a bummer, but a, a great career at age 39. Powell was kind of the the guy who I think you could almost credit for keeping the Lakers together and getting that getting those two championships for Kobe and at, at the end of not at the end of his career, but in that second that second wind and that second phase of championships. I mean, things were sideways. The Lakers as an organization were having a hard time keeping Kobe happy, and then they pulled off the trade for Powell. Pulling off the trade for Powell at the trade deadline in 2008 and really kind of setting up what was, you know, the 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 next chapter in the Lakers' proud championship history. Obviously, they won titles in 2009 and 2010. Powell was a huge part of that. Um, very memorably had the 18-rebound performance in a tight Game 7 against the Celtics in 2010. And there is something, I guess, of a debate of whether Powell is a guy who's no, who should have his number retired by the Lakers. And to me, that is a, that is a no-brainer. He is a guy who belongs in the rafters as much as anyone else because he defines he was the number two sure but a key key figure and lead 
leader in a championship era for the Lakers. And we've seen you know guys who fit that role end up with their numbers raised first in the forum and, and later at Staples Center. And it would be just astonishing to me if Powell did not have his number retired by the Lakers at the first at the first opportunity. Obviously, he ended up playing uh, 429 games with the Lakers. That is that is fewer than any other Laker who does have their number retired, with the exception of one very prominent guy, Wilt Chamberlain, who was the greatest player of his generation and came in and, and you know, had some success with the Lakers. And he and number 13 hangs forevermore above Staples Center because of it. And I think Powell, um, you know, belongs right right there alongside all those other greats. Yeah, it's funny. You know, Powell doesn't have the um, he doesn't have the shack, you know, the lob and the pointing as he's coming back down the floor. He doesn't have that moment. He doesn't have that thing where you immediately think. And I'm sure Powell's got a lot of great moments, a lot of big shots that you mentioned the the 18 rebound game. These are like notable things, but he doesn't have like the there's not a signature play that jumps in my head about Pau Gasol's Laker tenure. And that's sort of fitting. I, I think it's that it speaks to who he was as a as a player here, a really good player who, as you said, doesn't have his jersey retired yet. Um, I, I don't think people it'll take a while if you start to list the great Laker centers. That's the nature of the franchise to get to Pau Gasol. But what he did is undeniable. Look, LeBron James may not play that many games for the Lakers in his career. If he wins a title, they should retire his jersey. Uh, the same applies, I think, in this case. Yeah, and and um, obviously, just need to re- reiterate that Powell has not said he's retiring. Um, you know, maybe there's a situation where he's able to rehab and get and and feel good in the spring and and try to make a playoff run with another team. Um, he's been effective where you know last year with San Antonio before they bought him out. Obviously, before that. Um, had been, you know, a pretty effective player even after leaving the Lakers. So, um, would love to see Powell continue to play. But if this is in fact the end, um, very, very happy trails. And I would just say, on a personal note, um, you know, one of my favorite players I've ever covered. I got here in the, the his last year with the Lakers. It was not really happy times. He was clashing with Mike D'Antoni. Um, he had just survived the Dwight season. Um, Kobe was hurt. It was a it was a losing team and. Uh, Pau Gasol was just an absolute joy to cover. Um, that, if anyone else remembers, that was the year he was dealing with vertigo, uh, missed a lot of games due to vertigo. Um, it was it was a, it was a strange year for him, and he ended up signing with the Bulls as a free agent. Went through the trade deadline yet another time, um, anticipating getting traded, and then um, and then sticking around. Uh, so you know he lived he lived kind of on on the precipice of being traded there for a few years, obviously as the Lakers, you know, the, the Chris Paul situation. And then as they were trying to build a roster going forward, but um, I was certainly grateful that I had the opportunity to cover him. Uh, the NBA will miss him, I think, but, but moving forward to this team that we, we currently have here, it is uh, another win on Tuesday night for the Lakers. They, they took care of business against, against the thunder that will go to onto Oklahoma city and start this road trip, which will probably be defined Brett by, Anthony Davis's return to New Orleans. You and I are both going to be in New Orleans. We're going to obviously be talking a lot about that going into it. But because you did spend time with Anthony Davis in New Orleans, and this is probably the last time we're going to be talking to our listeners before that game, can you just give me a quick synopsis of what you think that game is going to be like for Anthony Davis? And will there be will will there be anybody cheering for him, or is that going to be is that going to be a, as hostile of an environment for him as um, LeBron going back to Cleveland and in, in in 2010? I think it's going to be every bit as hostile. Obviously, he doesn't have the legacy that LeBron had in Cleveland 
Um, LeBron didn't win a title that first time, but he got Cleveland to a place, you know, the rare air for Cleveland in, in not just in the NBA, but in professional sports, the relevance, the championship contention. He got them to a finals. Um, LeBron and, and LeBron was a native, you know, he's an Akron guy. Obviously there's a connection to that place that is unlike what Anthony Davis has. This was the, this was his, his NBA home. And, and Davis has always been closely associated with that place. Um, for, for one, raising the profile of basketball there in the post-Chris Paul era, which the city uh, really needed. It needed a star player. He won his championship at Kentucky in New Orleans. And then, you know, just a, a few months later was drafted by the franchise. And so, you know, he was the, the basketball favored son there for a long time in the days when they were seeking somebody to cling to after Chris Paul. But he's not, I mean, Bill, you have not spent a ton of time around him, but he is not the same kind of engaging uh, personality that LeBron is, uh, really not even that Chris Paul is. AD is a, a much quieter guy. Um, you know, he can be funny, he can be charming, but he's not the same sort of outsized personality, even, I think, to an extent that, uh, not, not not to the same extent that Zion Williamson is, who has kind of captured New Orleans' imagination in a way. I'm not sure AD did from a personality standpoint, but he's you know he's he and Chris Paul are are side by side as the greatest players ever there. And I think the the thing that we know last year when he decided that he wanted out and made clear that he wanted out, he was booed playing for the home team. And so I suspect that it's going to be even uglier now because I think at that time there were some divided loyalties. People said, you know, this isn't all his fault. The franchise hasn't really put the right pieces around him. And he always had some support. But now it's not just that he's gone. It's that he's gone to the Lakers, uh, who, you know, everybody sort of, if you're an NBA have not, the Lakers are the ultimate have. And so there's always going to be hard feelings there. So he's coming back with this hated team. Now, the one thing in New Orleans is there will be a lot of Laker fans because there are Laker fans everywhere. And there certainly are a lot of them uh, in New Orleans. The, the year that I was there was Kobe's last year. And the, the turnout was enormous of Laker fans for, for Kobe's farewell. So there will be some people there who are cheering for Anthony Davis. They'll be wearing purple and gold. But I think the overwhelming atmosphere in the place, and, and I do think the building will be filled in a way it's typically not is going to be uh, it's going to be overwhelmingly negative well i know i'm looking forward to it i mean obviously the season has um been a huge success for the lakers so far you know we're about 17 percent of the way into it but lakers look like one of the best teams in the league and i wrote this in my story today the lakers are doing this thing that great teams do they're making winning look boring i mean they have taken care of business against teams they should beat and the schedule doesn't really um provide a natural challenge for them really until December 1st against Dallas. And then they go on the road to Denver, Utah, Portland. So until then, um, this game against new Orleans is, is the most exciting thing we have. And I think we might look back on it as maybe the most exciting regular season moment of the year, just because of all it represents and, and the emotions in play. So it's going to be fun to be in new Orleans at the smoothie King center. Um, and maybe I'll even actually have a smoothie there for once. And, uh, and, and, and get to experience that. It's going to be a lot of fun. But uh, shifting gears now, I mentioned this at the top of the show. We did spend a little time with Alex Caruso, uh, the bald mamba, the bald eagle, whatever nickname you want to go go with. Although I think we need to get something like the bald memeba. See what I'm doing there? Where it's like you combine uh. meme and mamba. Because this dude is, he rules the internet. You've, I mean, you've seen it. Do you have a favorite Alex Caruso meme? I, the mural is amazing to me. And, and I sh we should point out, Sadly, the mural became a, a thing we were aware of after we had recorded this podcast with Alex Crusoe. So we did not talk about the mural. Uh, and that's a shame. But that that to me is like 
that's that's peak Caruso. And not just the fact that it exists, but the fact that his initial response to it was to think that it was fake. Yeah, no kidding. So we talked to him about his upbringing in College Station, a place Brett has spent some time. We talked to him about his early career in the G League and acclimating to life as a really legitimate role player next to LeBron James and Anthony Davis, two of the best players uh, in the modern game. He was fantastic. Um, it was a lot of fun to talk to Alex. We're grateful that he took the time to the to, to join us on the podcast. Um, and also, I mean, listen, it's funny. Alex was funny. And also, we had a couple funny moments on the podcast. The Lakers were kind enough to give us um, – to, to give us a, a space. We'll explain the space um, when, in the conversation with Alex, but it also happened to be next to a bathroom. And we were not anticipating this being an area that was used, save for this one Lakers employee who I did not know who came down from the offices upstairs, presumably thinking he was going to have some privacy going to this bathroom in, in the lobby of the building, only to find us there with our, you know, our high octane microphone. So um, you will hear some toilet flushes in the background of this podcast. Um, I apologize to the employee who was not able to do this in the kind of secrecy he wanted. Um, it's forever immortalized on Basketball Reasons, part of the Athletics Podcast Network. And um, without further ado... I give you Alex Caruso. Okay, Alex, welcome to the Basketball Reasons podcast. Um, I have to start like we are we're doing this in a very fitting location. We're doing this in the in the mm. lo- in the South Bay Lakers lobby at the Lakers training facility. This is essentially the waiting area for the G League, the which, is, which is kind of where you spent obviously the last two years. It was it was your waiting room to kind of the moment you're having now as a full fledged uh, Laker member of the rotation, playing really well. I mean, what, what has this been like for you just right off the bat to, to be in this position where you are contributing at a high level um, on a team that as of now has the best record in the NBA, is making its case as the best team in the NBA uh, from where you've been over the last few years? Yeah, I mean, a heck of a journey if you told me this, I mean, two years ago, three years ago coming out of college that three years down the line you'd be, what are we, 11-2? Yeah. Is that right? 11-2 and two at the moment, uh, playing with LeBron and AD and Staples Center, I'd probably laugh at you but uh I mean it's just it's just really surreal you know it for me at the end of the day it's just basketball like I lose myself in the game and that's I think why I've gotten to this point is I've just continued to be myself and just play basketball the way I know how and just have a lot of fun with it and um I think through that process of being myself it's gotten me here uh I'm a big believer in that everything happens for a reason like there's nothing that's coincidence and uh my journey is my journey and, and everything that I've gone through, whether it's been a, a year in OKC with the G League team just doing straight defensive drills at practice every uh, every day to now being one of the best, uh, best defenders um, in my eyes in the NBA and then obviously with our team being number one in the league in defensive rating or something like that. Uh, Everything happens for a reason, you know. All those those practices are, are were leading me to get to this point, and now I'm here, and I'm just putting it into into fruition. A little different to be playing at the Staples Center than like the uh, the Cox Convention Center in OKC. Yeah, yeah, a few more people. Yeah. Stands are stand, the Cox Convention Center is one of the few like big arenas we get to play in in the G League. But yeah, there there wasn't more than like a couple hundred people there, to, <laughs> yeah. unless they had like the kids game where we would like pack right. it with like a, a elementary school for for an 11 a.m. game. So I'm a recent Los Angeles move. I just got here from. I was in OKC before this. Nice. I'm one of the very few people, I would say, in this building who's also been to College Station. I covered a, a couple of, uh, or one Kentucky game there. Okay. You played in it. Which, I was about to say, what year uh, was it? Those games Kentucky, were always good. Yeah, Kentucky won a double overtime. 
Oh, the year uh, that they were undefeated. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they had, had like the like super sort of, team. Yeah. Oh, that team was so good. And then the, I think the year before, or was it two years before? Your freshman year, you guys came in there and beat them. Elston Turner. Yeah, Elston good. had 40. Yeah. Oof. It was a crazy game. Yeah. But I've been to like Dixie nuts. Chicken and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, the I, chicken. I, I, yeah, so yeah. I'm just thinking, this has got to be, what a different world for, for a guy who grew up and went to college there. What, what's yeah, like? for sure. Um, one thing I'll say is I always liked... Like, I enjoyed traveling. Like, I traveled with my, my family a little bit when I was younger. And nothing, like, crazy. Like, we would always, uh, we would take, like, road trips. We would go up to, to Minnesota with my mom's side of the family and, like, stay out at, like, cabins and by the lake. And uh, we would drive up. So we would go through Oklahoma, up through Kansas, Nebraska, uh, sneak through Missouri. So, like, we've been a bunch of places at that. And then AAU basketball, I mean, you travel all over, right? So I went... My my last year of AAU basketball, I think we went f- over 10,000 miles traveled in, in a summer. And, yeah, because I was in College Station, but the team is in Houston, right? So if we had practice or anything, I had to go down there. And then I went to L.A., we went to Denver, we went to Vegas, uh, we went to Myrtle Beach, we went, we went a bunch of places. So traveling to, like, seeing these, like, big cities and stuff was kind of normal for me, like being able to just, like, see what the cities are like and obviously never growing up in it it's different but uh, obviously LA is a completely different animal anybody who's ever lived here or visited here knows that um, but yeah growing up in College Station and then getting to this place now it's a uh, it's a big culture shock you know obviously but I think being here for two years and getting used to it um, I'm starting to adjust there's I just know there's times a day don't go on the road don't drive, don't go up north if I don't have to. I stay down in the South Bay area if, uh, as much as possible and just try to make it as much College Station-esque you know, as, as I can to where it's just quiet, get home, hang out, watch sports, or, or go to the beach. Were you always the best player on your teams growing up and on your travel teams and, and, and of that nature, or were you, were you a late bloomer at all? Yeah, definitely a late bloomer. I answer the first question first. I was it was it was hit or miss if I was the best player on my team because I played in a bunch of different competition levels. You know, like my high school definitely was. I was one of the only guys that was like a true basketball player only. Like most most of our guys that came and played and started for us were football players. So we wouldn't have them till midway through November or whenever the they lost in playoffs. So for that that team, I usually was. Um, usually like the city teams I would be in, in school and then once I started getting a little older I would go to go to basketball camps and I would try to like get myself like laying in basketball camp try to get myself moved up to the next division and then I was like not physically as strong or not as quick as everybody and then obviously guys are just better skilled so stuff like that I wasn't played with the older group of like men men that just picked up five on five at the park like Tuesdays and Thursdays in seventh and eighth grade and uh Tried to just jump in and hope they needed a fifth, uh, getting into games with them. Um, and then into AAU, I don't think I was ever the best. Uh, I mean, I say this humbly, I don't really know. Like, thinking back on it, I don't remember. Like, I didn't play with any big-name guys that were that were super high recruited. Um, and then me, myself, I snuck into, like, the top 100 recruiting. Like, my last, my last year of AAU was the only year that I had, like, a big, big showing. Um, and it started in, in Vegas with the Easter, uh, the e- Easter Classic. And then I got invited to like Pango's camp. And then I got from there, I got invited to Top 100 camp. Um, and then I was going to go to Darren Williams. He had like his point guard, like elite mm-hmm. camp. And I had already made plans to go up and see my grandma. 
And so we cut out the Darren Williams elite camp because we felt like, well, anybody who was, because at this point, it's my last year, like, I already went to Pangos, I already went to Top 100. Like, if anybody wants to, like, come talk to me, recruit me, they know about me now. Like, going to this camp wasn't going to do anything for that. Um, on the flip side, it probably would have been good to just go against some good point guards and, like, get some experience. But that was just kind of the the uncharted territory for me and, and me and my family, just not knowing, like, what the scene was. Like, nobody ever told us, like, that's, like, a big deal and you should go to that uh, but yeah, so that was my that was my late bloomer story uh, coming out of high school, and then bunch of bunch of schools were worried about recruiting me because they thought I was just going to go to A and M, being from College Station. I told I tell people this all the time. I probably would have gone to Colorado with uh, Tad Boyle if uh, I wasn't from if I wasn't from College Station, if I wasn't growing up in Aggie. But I really liked Colorado. Really liked uh, him, and then uh, Mike Roan was an assistant at A and M with Mark Turgeon, and then he. I used to play one-on-one. I played three-dribble one-on-one with, with the assistant coach because he lived in the same same neighborhood as me. And then he ended up recruiting me like four years later going to college. So, yeah, I tell people that, that story all the time. Colorado was, was awesome. I probably would have played there and, and still uh, know a couple people from, from Colorado. Uh, would have played with Spencer Dinwiddie, Andre Roberson. Mm-hmm. So some good players that, that they had going up then. You um, Speaking of your journey coming up, you told us one night after a game, that you grew up kind of obsessed with dunking. It was like, mm-hmm, a, yeah, I think like on folding chairs and that kind of stuff. What, what, uh-huh. where did that come from? I don't really know. Um, I just, I was always just enamored with it. You know, it was just like, it was like the highlight play. It was just like, any time that happened, crowds went crazy, and I don't know what got me into it, but I just thought that that was like, like I didn't even like, like I didn't like shooting. I was like, I'm not really worried about shooting. Like, dunking is cool. Dunking is like the thing to do. And even so much that that would like skew my my like reality and perception of like how good players actually were. I was just like, that dude can dunk. Like you watch these like highlight tapes of like kids at high school. I'm like, man, this kid's throwing down like 360s and like between the legs. I'm like, this kid's gonna be awesome. He's gonna be like the next best thing. And then the kid doesn't like pan out to anything. Doesn't even play in college. I'm like, all right, well, never mind. But yeah, that, I don't know where that came from. Uh, I'm not really sure. Uh, but I mean, it was it was generations of dunking. Like I've seen I've seen every YouTube video of like this guy's dunk career highlight mix, like ten minute video. I've I've searched MJ to Sean Kemp, Dominique Wilkins to like Kobe, Braun, guys that like we play against now. Like it's it's always just been a thing that I just I'm in love with. Yeah. So this probably gets into like your your cult following in general, but I think you are a somewhat unlikely um, great in-game dunker, yeah. at least image-wise. When did that start happening for you? When did you, do you remember? Like, were you dunking from an early age? Yeah. So the first time I ever dunked was like a real dunk. Like I dunked at a, a we call it it's, it's the Lincoln Center in, in College Station. It's like where I played like summer league basketball. And they had like the rubber floors and I wasn't sure if the goals were exactly 10 feet. So like I would like sneak one in in the summer, but then going into my freshman year at freshman tryouts, we had this follow the leader drill. There's like a hundred guys at tryouts and you just like, it's a bunch of layups and different shots, just a basic skill uh, assessment. And we go to the left side and I go to the sideline, I cross over and go middle and I just raise up and, and throw it down. And I was like, oh, okay, sweet. And our, our head coach, our varsity coach, and our uh, freshman head coach were both there. And the freshman coach like kind of gave me a smirk. He said, "He's like he said, okay, go do it again." So I went back and did it again. And once we finished, uh, once we finished uh, 
that drill, the the head coach for the varsity team called me over and said, "All right, you're probably you're probably good. You don't need to go through the rest of tryouts or come back tomorrow." I'm like, "All right, cool." Uh, I got a lot of topic. What, what was your original, the just, original just question really you like, asked like, me? Like how you be, how you became a dunker. Dunker, so you're yeah. You're answering it. So yeah, I, I that's the first time I, I started dunking, and then from there, I just I think I just started maturing a little. I got a little taller. Uh, went from like five ten, five eleven, my freshman year to like six four by my probably my junior year is the first year I started like really like dunking in games. Yeah, I just I mean like the classic like. The one I had against Charlotte, the run-through steel dunk, that's like my patented, like anybody who's grown up with me or watched me play in college and high school, that's like what I do is jump the passing lane, go down one foot, throw it down. But yeah, it's always been the same reaction from crowds too, like people who don't know who I am, and then all of a sudden I go up and like throw one down, and it's like a soft like murmur amongst the crowd, and then sometimes they're like, they were kind of nasty in high school because people would jump, they didn't know, you know. And we were throwing alley oops with my my point guards and uh, guys just didn't know. So there were some there were some good ones from well, the old days. This has been like Luke Walton used to joke that like if you if you shaved your head and got a bunch of neck tattoos, you'd have a ten year career as like pretty <laughs> like, grimy like role player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's obviously not you. That's not your no, look. Yeah, no. Um, do you enjoy kind of the 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 way you're kind of able to lean into your your image and then surprise people. I mean, people are less yeah, surprised yeah. now. Yeah, that's true. They're they're starting to catch on. But uh, yeah, I don't know. You know, I don't know if there's enjoyment. In it. Like I said, I just the thing that got me here was being myself. So there's no reason to change that now. Um, it's it's just being true to me, and I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna just because I moved to LA and play for the Lakers start start acting different or doing anything. I still got the same group of friends. Uh, still gonna eat at the same places when I go home, and, and still get a text from my mom and dad before and after every game. So, it's just it's just really easy to be myself, and I, I'm really happy doing that. And I don't see any reason to really change it. Be remiss because we're talking to you on on Monday. Um, Dave Chappelle was just in talking to the yeah. Lakers, and and last night at the game, you had Kobe courtside, you had Migos courtside, Kevin Hart was there. Um, you've obviously got a taste of this um, since your t- time with the Lakers, but what is the the intersection. What is your experience as a fan favorite Lakers player in a city with very, um, fa- a very star studded? Yeah, yeah. Are, you, are you running into people? Are you, are you, um, are you like a big man around LA? Are you finding that? What's that been like? No, I'm not. Like? I'm not even close to, to to the pedigree that those guys. Are you that, dating a Kardashian? Yeah, like no, to no, no, anything? no. <laughs> Nothing crazy, man. That's that's part of just being me. Is just kind of just kind of staying out of the way. You know, I'm. Uh, I've never been one for limelight, and it's not really a uh, a thing where I'm trying to like bring attention to myself by staying out of the the lighter attention. I just I'm just really easy going, and I I uh, I enjoy being in the background. You know, uh, maybe that's going to change. You know, we keep winning, see what we do in, in playoffs, reach our ultimate goal. Stuff might uh, might turn around a little bit, but I mean those those people you named that that are sitting courtside, Will Ferrell. Yeah. Uh, Kobe even Kobe uh, Migos two chains was there last night. Those guys are they've put in some time. They've they're they're well established in the the celebrity community. That I think it, it might take me a while to reach that. Are you, are you getting are you getting recognized? Like are, are, when you go to lunch, are you? Are you yeah, it's like lunch? subtle. Like I took uh, I took my girlfriend to a Post Malone concert in Anaheim on uh, on Saturday doing yeah doing my duty and uh went and got a got a sweatshirt and a t-shirt from the the merch stand after and 
guy guy like is like working security like lets us through the rope to like exit and he's just like oh yeah come this way come this way he's like oh by the way it's like congrats like keep uh, you're doing great good good luck this season like it's stuff like that you know it's not it's not usually probably some of the stuff that Dwight gets or JaVale or or, or Braun and guys like that who are like easily recognizable and kind of out of the ordinary characters like 6'8 uh, NBA players like I'm, I think I'm still viewed as more of a normal person I think you know so I think that uh that that turns the notch down on the fandom a little bit but uh, I'm definitely yeah I mean since since the beginning of the year since the contract and then obviously we're having some success it's 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 recognizable but it's to like a a smaller degree that's a nice that's a nice balance it is no no it, for me it's it's like perfect because like i'm such a nice person that i don't like saying no like people want to take a picture sure like i mean w- to me it's like laughable that they want to like take a picture i'm just like all right man yeah sure like i'm just a normal human being but uh i mean it's it comes you know playing for the lakers and success comes with a, a price and that's just kind of what it is uh, has there been any um, sort of adjustment period to being on the floor with LeBron and AD? Just it, like, learning to play with with such um, forces of gravity. Yeah, uh, with Bron, it's a lot easier just because I had time last year, um, and in the way that he plays, I think is uh, is really complementary to, to how I play. With AD, I'm starting to come along. I'm starting to figure out how he uh, how he plays, how he reacts to to double teams, different different cuts that he. Uh, I can make with him and, and just different plays to set him up. Um, and just from, I mean, from the preseason to now, I can, I feel so much more comfortable playing with AD than I did uh, then. And it's just a, it's just a chemistry thing. You know, it's just, it's what happens when you, when you first start playing with everybody. Uh, I think I would say the same about all my new teammates, to be honest, DG, uh, AB, even, even Dwight. Um, and then continued over from last year, guys like KCP, JaVale, Doe, guys that I've that I've had some tenure with, but yeah, definitely with I mean with LeBron and AD, they they demand so much attention. It's it's nice to be out there with AD and start finally uh, clicking with him and then setting him up and just realizing uh realizing how good of a player he is, man. Every game I feel like I'm watching him and he does something else and I'm just like, man, this guy is is unreal. I asked you the other day what you had learned about playing with LeBron, and you said like if you get open, he's, he's going to find you. Yeah. you. You made a case right that you think he is the best passer. Yeah, I put that on Instagram. I think, I mean, I think, I think he's the best passer in the NBA. I think because of his size, his his cerebral play, how how aware he is of situations on the court, and uh, he predicts things. You know, he doesn't wait for a play to happen, and then he's like, oh, there it is. It's kind of like NFL quarterback. You know, if you if a guy's open and you see he's open, he's not open anymore. You got to lead him to to the open spot, and I think he does that. I mean, he had. 12 was, I'm going to knock on wood, you know, I don't want to jinx the guy, but he's been playing out of his mind as far as uh, running the show, distributing the ball, and then also taking care of it, too. He's had, like, an average of, like, 13 to 1 assisted turnover the last, like, week. It's ridiculous. Did you learn anything from Russell Westbrook in the year you were in OKC? You, you know, it was tough to learn just because, yeah. I mean, there was so little time I played with him because it yeah. was just training camp. But uh, the thing I took away from him was just how hard he plays, you know. And he's another guy like like LeBron, like Dwight, who just just freaks, you know. Athletically, he did some things that I was just in awe of. I'd never seen anybody do stuff like that. And he's just he was very vocal, and he was just very uh, very direct and intent with, with everything he did with the basketball court. Also, just his intensity. You know, he was he was such a 180. He's such a nice, 
easygoing, uh, family guy. And then once he gets on the court, you know, he flips a switch and he just, I don't know how he does it. Cause I feel like I'm like how he is off the court, but once I'm on the court, I'm not as, uh, I don't even know the right word. He's like, he's almost like dangerous when he's out there. Like, I feel like I'm intense, but I'm not like how he is. Did I don't you, even know how to describe it. Did you spend enough time on the court with him in training camp to get yelled at to shoot or anything? Cause he'll... No, I didn't ever get to play with him. I was the, I was the Exhibit 10 guy that like got thrown in a couple <laughs> defensive drills and maybe got to sub in at the end of practice, and five on five, but no. Uh, I didn't get to play with him. And that was, that was the year, the first year after KD left when he was, it was MVP revenge tour time. And so he was, he was handling everything. Coming into that year, just would, would you have believed that somebody could average a triple-double? Again, and to be honest, no, because I mean, if if somebody would ever do that, I wouldn't imagine it being at the best, like the highest level of basketball against the best players, the best defenders, the best minds of of coaches against you. Um, And I think that's just a testament to what I said of how hard he plays and how he's just like he's an animal when he's out there. Like he just the intensity he plays with is, is hard to match. Do you, you know, we were talking a little bit ago about, like, your days at A&M, and, like, I watched Elson Turner score all those mm-hmm. points, and, like, you were, I think you averaged nine points a game was the most you ever averaged at A&M. Did yeah. catch you? Do you ever have, you know, like, Bill asked you about playing with LeBron and AD. Do you ever have a moment where you're like, man, I'm on the floor with LeBron James and Anthony Davis? Not usually during the game, uh, but, like, after the game, like, just being able to, like, interact with them on, like, social media and, like, see the, like, clips of, like, like I threw AD the lob the other night, and it's just, like, like that's I I wasn't throwing lobs to Anthony Davis in college, you know. No offense to my guys, you know, those are my guys uh, from A and M. But uh, yeah, it's definitely. I mean, like we said in the beginning of this this podcast, it's the the, sur- the surreal moment of just being here from where from the journey that it's been um, to now playing to in Staples Center with the Lakers, rattling off wins and doing it with those two guys. It's it's a special thing. Great. Well, thanks, Alex, for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. I appreciate um, now it. Now get out of the G League waiting room, go back to the I, I still, I still got to stop by every now and then and say hi to my guys, so they, I haven't forgotten about them yet. Uh, yeah. Excellent. Well, thanks, for, thanks very much for your time. And, uh, yeah, we'll appreciate it, guys. See you back at the arena.